This is Jasmine Dea coming to you from my law firm, Jasmine Dea & Company, located in Midtown Toronto. We are changing it up this season. In an effort to inspire you all to pursue your passion and crush your goals, I have asked a guest host to interview me so that you can hear my story, the actual truth, how it all happened. This is my life. Let's get started. Okay, Kara, I'm ready for you. Okay, let's start with your first question. And I'm assuming that some of this can be cut out, right? No, no, you edit I'm straight. I'm so <gasps> leaving that in. You are not. Okay, all right, let's start. How did you end up writing this book? That is a very good question <laughs> for your first question. I actually did not intend on writing a book. When I put pen to paper, and literally it was pen to paper, because back when I wrote it, uh, it was about 15 years ago, and I was pregnant with my son, and back then, not to age myself or date myself, but basically we didn't have everything we have online to amuse ourselves like we do now, um, especially right now, we're in a pandemic, and what do people do? You're basically surfing the net because you know you're streaming movies or you know binging on Netflix or um, I don't know online shopping for Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Guilty, you know exactly. So you're doing all of that online. Well, we didn't have any of that. You'll recall we were just getting high speed. We had that blue Ethernet cord, and then I think we moved into the wireless uh, cards that you would stick on the side of your laptop. You remember that? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I mean, not to date myself, but I've been around for all of the different versions of computers. Yes. <laughs> so, yes, I remember that one. Okay, so <laughs> so there wasn't a lot to do. I found myself pregnant in my last year of law school, which was also a very interesting surprise. And the timing was after I graduated from law school and before I would have started articling, um, and I had nothing to do with myself. We had something called the bar admissions course, and so I would do my, my classes, and then I would come home and be miserable while all my friends were sitting on a patio enjoying their last summer of freedom. So I started writing about interesting or entertaining moments of my pregnancy, kind of like a journal. Ah, okay, because, you know, this is where I'm going to ask you what the book is about, because I haven't asked you what the book is about yet. Oh. So listeners... You know, you you sort of already said the word pregnancy. That's so right. they're going to have some idea. But anyways, why don't you tell us what the novel is about? So the novel was chronicling, or it is chronicling, interesting things that happened while I was pregnant that I started writing about because it was more really to keep my sanity. And as I was writing, I thought, hey, you know, this will be a nice gift to my child, my unborn child one day. So I better write it in a way that, you know, they will find entertaining and in a sort of PG format. That's really sweet. <laughs> and so, so you wrote it with your children in mind. Or with, well, with that or with child, that child. In, in mind and to keep my sanity, to keep myself, my mind occupied because I just didn't have anything to do with myself. And this was giving me happiness in a time when I didn't, I can't say I was unhappy, but I was really concerned. I was really scared about the future. This was not part of the plan. This was my bump in the road. And so I chronicled and then towards the end of the pregnancy was the end of this book that I was writing but again it wasn't a book at that time it was a journal and I thought to myself this needs to be a book one day so how did you come up with the title the law girls bump in a in the road I actually had a working title people don't know this I've never told this to people uh, but the working title was called life interrupted 
And interesting. It really was going on the theme of, okay, well, this was not part of the plan. And when I told, you know, a couple of friends and I told my husband, no one loved the title because they thought it was a little bit uh, negative. It was a little dark and deep. And for what I had written about, it's a chiclet. It's easy. It's breezy. It's a fun read. It is like loosely based on my life, but from an entertaining perspective, a fun perspective. And the title Life uh, Interrupted didn't really go with the flow. And so I agreed. And so So I was asking two of my girlfriends to help me brainstorm names. And, uh, you know, one of them was Boundless. One of them was Limitless. Um, I think I I was driving and saw this U of T banner. And I think it was like their, their, their slogan for some campaign at the time was, I think, Boundless. And that just was like, well, that could be a good title for my book. Well, maybe you'll have to do another book. And then you can use, you can still use those I can still use it. Boundless, limitless. Maybe, or maybe those are just good descriptors. (laughs) I like Law Girls Bump in the Road. I think it's really cute. It's really fun. I decided I wanted it to be a bump in the road because bump being pregnancy, bump in the road, making sense. But then I realized there were some books with that title or articles with that title like people have used that bump in the road um, as a title and I was like but I want it to be different and so I just I don't know had this idea yes is that sort of the first time that law girl that's the first time I used it yes in the book and in my mind when this whole wait I'm I'm a law girl Law Girls Bump in the Road and so so I've stuck with it so who who would this book appeal to does this appeal to other female lawyers, up-and-coming students. I think that it has sort of, uh, you know, dual purpose here. It's targeting two audiences. So you have young women who are looking for a fun read, you know, by the pool or, you know, at the cottage, uh, you know, cuddled up with uh, some hot cocoa and the fire going for the winter or, you know, Beachside, poolside for the summer. So you've got those women, young women, who enjoy chiclet. I was one of them. I used to love chiclet. Now I don't enjoy it as much because I feel like, wait, I have other things I need to be working on and the never-ending to-do list. But I really, really enjoyed it in my 20s and 30s. Now I've just hit 40. Well, I, I loved it. And, you know, I'm sort of older than you. And so when I read it, I was reading it from a, you know, sort of mid-40s perspective. But I really enjoyed, it was almost though I got to kind of go back and relive, mm-hmm. you know, my first pregnancy with you, you know, and going to the shop and having to buy the pregnancy test and all those sort of first-time things you have to do. Um, well, that's the other demographic. So I, I sort of really enjoyed going through it with you because I was connected to it. Um, so I think it has you have a really wide audience with it. Um, have any men ever read it? I don't know. No man has told me that they have, but that's a very interesting comment. I wonder, or question. Hmm. But with the second demographic, so I think it also targets, um, you know, women who may in their life find themselves um, pregnant unexpectedly or wondering what it's like to, uh, you know, want a career and go through pregnancy. And so, bridge that gap. Exactly. Like how do you get from school to a job? How do you get from school to have a baby, 
to even get exactly. married, to have a house. I find that those years were the toughest. They, they you are. Had no, you, knew what you, you don't wanted, know what you're doing. You don't even know what you're doing. You have a, <laughs> a big list, a laundry list of things that have to get done. In oh, and years. don't forget, everyone wants to give you advice. Everyone wants to give you advice that you did not ask for. And then you start, it starts sort of messing with your head. Well, do I actually need this? I must need it because, you know, my great aunt so-and-so told me I needed it. Um, You know, so it's just, there's a lot. It's an overwhelming period of time in one's life. And I hope that by reading my book, you can uh, take a, a a sigh of relief, take a deep breath and just sit back and enjoy and not worry about whatever you're going through in life in that moment. Know that you're not alone. Yes. You know you've been through it and you're willing to share it. It's really sweet. Um, okay. So a lot of people think that lawyers, you know, just by nature are good writers because they've spent so many years in school. They just must, <laughs> they just must be a good writer. Um, when, when you got out of school and you were writing the book, did you, I mean, did you feel that being a lawyer and having all those years of education school helped you in your writing process? Or did you still just sort of feel you know, a little bit out of water? Well, the one accurate part of your statement was that, yes, I was in school for a long time to be a lawyer. <laughs> um, but what is inaccurate is not what you said, but the belief that by being a lawyer that makes you automatically a good writer. There are a lot of lawyers out there that are not good writers. And I see it all the time with um, material that comes my way. And I'm not talking about typos and stuff. You know, they have word and they have the squiggly line that will tell you, yeah, that will tell you when things are wrong. Um, So they have that help. But it it just sometimes, um, some legal writing is very wordy. And that's where I think that's poor drafting, in my opinion. If it can be said in a sentence, you shouldn't be writing a page. If it can be said in a page, it shouldn't be 10 pages. But some lawyers like to just keep going and going and going. And I don't know why. Are those billable hours? (laughs) Okay. You can laugh out loud. You don't have to hold it in. I can see you laughing. Well, you, not, not, other people might not find it as funny as I do. Sorry. I think it's hilarious. But the good news is I don't bill by the hour. I work on contingency fee. So for someone like me, my clients don't have to worry because you don't get billed extra. I am the same rate. That was a great, great uh, little pitch. <laughs> yeah, plug for myself. <laughs> nice job. Nice job. Thank you. Um, so you know, let's, I, this is the one that the question that I'm really excited about because I'm interested in, um, you know, why women don't write under their own name because you know you're not alone um, by choosing to do that. So I'm excited to hear your story. So when you initially published this novel under a pen name, um, before relaunching the novel under your own name. Um, Why did you do that? I know that there's a lot of individuals that use a pen name, but I think everyone has a different reason. Mm -hmm. So I know historically there was a stigma um, with women writing. So sometimes they would use a pen name so that people wouldn't know it was a woman. Right. Of course. Um, So it's interesting that you, you know, in the 21st century, you would choose to do that. So Yeah. So I went with the pen name Leah London. Leah London was actually the name that my husband wanted to name our youngest child. And... I love the name, but I said, no, that's a bit 
too sexy, too racy for my daughter. So it's not going to be Leia London. She is not Leia London. <laughs> um, but I thought for a pen name, it would be great. And the reason I decided to go with that is because I had just opened my own firm. Mm-hmm. And I wanted people to recognize that I cared very much about my firm and I wanted to also protect my legal career, not just my firm, but my legal career. Um, mm-hmm. Being a lawyer, I wanted people to realize that I am still very much a practicing lawyer. My voice as a lawyer is very different than that of a chiclet author. Right. So you just wanted to keep wanted, it separate. It was all timing yeah, too. Exactly. I wanted to protect my career and, you know, I, I didn't know how my book would be received. Like I thought it was great, but you know, I didn't know if everyone would feel that way. Right. And you know, sometimes you just have to put yourself out there, but I wanted to protect myself and my career. And that's really why. And then, um, you know, a a couple years passed and I my firm is doing well thankfully and people realize yes I'm still very much a practicing lawyer and I care very much about my clients and I'm so proud of that accomplishment that book and that's why I said no I want my name on that book not Leia London it is Jasmine Dea. I really liked that um, when you told me that you're uh, relaunching the book with your actual name attached I was like yes you know, because it just, it just sort of said to me that you're at this stage where you're like, I'm just going to drop all of these pretenses. I'm an excellent lawyer. I'm at that stage in my life. You know, I sort of find that when we all kind of turn 40, it's sort of like, all right, gloves are off. This is it. Yeah, We're this is me. Our way. Uh, I'm successful. I have credibility, authority, reputation. And now we're going to write under my name. And you, well, know. you summarized it so well. I think, you know, with each passing year, um, I think that my confidence increases. Um, I feel better. You know, people are so concerned about aging, and I think every year is better than the last. I think 40 and fabulous, you know? So uh, unfortunately, Absolutely. I turned 40 in the pandemic hit, which is, you know, a little sad, a little down. Anticlimactic. Yes. <laughs> I was like, this is not the way 40 and fabulous was supposed to be spent. But you know what? I have many more years in my 40s left. Absolutely. <laughs> um, well, one thing that I know people will be really interested in is how you published the book. You self-published this book. Um, and... You know, why did you choose to self-publish as opposed to shop it around to other agents, I guess? I thought about going the traditional publisher route, and I just decided against it because I didn't care about anyone's opinion. And I think if you (laughs) go to an agent or go to a publisher, I think they're going to have some input, and I was not going to listen. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to create any enemies or insult anyone i just wanted complete control over my work because this was my life story told from you know a little bit of a fun perspective and i wasn't going to let anyone tell me otherwise so i decided that self-publishing was the way to go for me this is not about making money Um, publishing this book is an accomplishment that i'm proud of and a story and a message that i want to get out to people which is you know when there are bumps in the road you just keep going because you will get through them and you're going to be stronger and better for it so where where's the road heading where's the next where's the next bump or the next book you sound like my husband who asked me what's your end game <laughs> uh, no i think I, 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 
Let me tell you. Let me tell you. There is no end game. Yes. yes. And in terms of what's next, um, I don't. Book two? Well, book two will only happen if there is a movie from book one, which I would love, which I, I really believe, and I'm not just saying this, like I really think this would be such a fun book. There's one other element in this book that we haven't talked about, and that's the cultural element. Right. So there yes. is a cultural element to this, um, you know, having Indian family and the Indian old wives' tales that they told me oh, when I was pregnant. I was in Stitches. And yeah. some of those stories, the one where, you know, you guys were going to tell your parents, well, his parents and your parents, and uh, you didn't know when you pulled up that the entire family was going to be there, and there was a party going, and oh yeah, on the front lawn, you know, oh yeah, having and drinks. throwing rice at me oh, and all that. I I'm like, what is happening I was right now? So hard because you thought that it was just going to be this very sort of somber announcement, and then you sort of pull up, and I'm thinking, you know, five or six families are there, and everybody's ha- you know playing music. Oh yeah, it was a big to do, and one that I was not like, expecting. That's out of a movie, like I can see. That being an absolutely hilarious scene. Keep in mind that my in-laws will deny all of this in the way that I have portrayed it. (laughs) But this is my this is your podcast. My story. It's from my lens. (laughs) But yeah, in terms of the future, uh, I'd love to see a movie. And I, I can say this truthfully. I don't plan in the sense that yes, I plan my days. Um I have dreams and goals, but they they change daily, really. Mm-hmm. You know, what I want changes daily, not in a bad way, but it, it evolves. My life evolves. My wants evolve. Things so change. If you, if you self-published the first book, mm-hmm. um, would you consider doing an independent film? So where you would raise the money and then actually just shoot the film yourself? So I actually have thought about it, and I talked to writers and various other people uh, when I first published the book. And then life continued, and I've just been so busy, as you know. With not, the, not to plant any more seeds. I know, with the cookbooks and other things. Director. <laughs> well, let's talk about that. Let's go into the conversation about the cookbooks. So you've published a cookbook series. Yes. And JD in the Kitchen. And you're in, I think you're working on the fourth, fifth, and sixth. Yes, right now? fourth, fifth, and sixth. Uh, my goal is to complete them during this pandemic while we have a little bit extra time on our hands before life gets back to super busy, which you know I love. But uh, while we're in this and I have a little bit more time, it's my goal to finish. What's the difference between publishing a cookbook and publishing a novel? So different. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's not like I, I could take a course or and well, maybe a published could, both right? yes okay but it's not like I could take a course or maybe there are courses I don't know but it I it wasn't just some guide to tell me what to do like figuring out the process of writing and editing and formatting and publishing and it was it was a lot and you know I'm I've so excited that I figured it out and to see the finished product there's no greater it's feeling empowering. yes so it's worth it but while I was in it there were days where I was like oh my god what am I doing why am I doing this where did you do a lot of your research like did you talk to people did so you do it on the internet a lot like, how did you figure out how to do this the majority of figuring it out was from online 
There is so much information online and that is what I would do. And I usually do this stuff in the evening or the weekends because during the day I'm lawyering. So, you know, the evenings and weekends I'm with my laptop. I'm trying to figure out, okay, what's next? Who can I contact? What do I do? Um, So it's online. Talking to people, there are some people that have come my way that have, you know, given me nuggets of wisdom here and there. But I don't know. I find that I'm one to not always just go with what someone tells me, one person tells me, because that's just their perspective. And it's not wrong. I just want to know everything about everything I need to know about how to publish or whatever the project is I'm working on. And that means doing my own research and doing it online. That is great advice. You know, just everything is figure outable. And yeah. get online and just do the research. Exactly. Uh, and then ask questions. Maybe mm-hmm. then go to a few people that are thought leaders in this space. Yeah. And ask questions. Yeah. And, you know, it's also important to be mindful that asking people for help, well, people, you know, they want to, I think inherently people are good people and want to help, but they're busy with their lives too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other people need to be mindful. Yes. That whole, like, can we have an hour where I can pick your brain? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Don't most know people everybody... don't have an hour, you know. It's very naive and very sweet. And I think yeah. that's what we see is that, you know, it comes out of a lot of students or, you know, people who are looking to get into the sector or the game or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that is definitely a challenge. Yes. And that's another reason why I generally don't pick up the phone and call people to teach me how to do things. If I, if I have like a question, you know, on a real estate deal I'm working on or, um, I don't know, an accounting question or a legal question, like, yeah, I will pick up the phone and ask for help. But if I'm asking someone to teach me how to do a whole thing, you know, that's different. That's asking a lot from someone. And I I prefer to maybe do as much as I can, know as much as I need to know, and then go ask them for that one question for help. You are an inspiration because I know it's a it's a big deal. Like everybody, you know, that I speak to and I work sort of in the media space and, you know, I work with a couple of other writers and people that want to write books and there is a barrier to entry. But it's it's just them getting over figuring out how to do it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people want someone to tell them, like walk them down the road. But what I really like about you is <laughs> you just get it done. Somehow, some way, um, you'll take a course online. Like I know that you've taken courses at MIT mm-hmm. just to figure something out. Yes, because I was really frustrated. That is cool. And people should pay attention to that. With digital marketing and analytics. I was really frustrated with all these people trying to sell me and using vocabulary that I didn't comprehend and I'm like okay I can't be the dumb girl in the room yeah. I want to know am I have being taken over, absolutely <laughs> and especially now that everything is is online everything is digital COVID has made everything digital mm-hmm. you must really appreciate having done some of that homework Yes. Before slamming into, you know, where everything has to be. Yes. I am so thankful I took that course. I'm so happy that now, you know, when people are talking, I might not know how to do all the coding and, you know, I I don't know how to move things up with SEO. I don't know how to do it myself, but at least when they're explaining to me the rankings and yeah, what they're doing. Yeah. I can understand. So this, this makes me wonder, will you work with a traditional publisher ever? down the road would you consider working with a traditional publisher um and you know now you have all the language you know how things work you know what things might cost maybe you're going to be in a better position to even you know negotiate mm-hmm. what, that, what that might look like working with a traditional i'll publisher. never say never I, I think that uh can only come back to bite you in the ass I so i'll it. never say never <laughs> ah, well i have 
one last question. I mean, we could stay here forever. I have a thousand questions, but we're going to focus on the book today. So maybe you'll have me back and we can talk about all of your other businesses. That's a plan. That might be kind of Sounds fun. like a good plan. Um, will there be a sequel? We've kind of been sort of flirting with it throughout this whole podcast. You know, will there be a second? What might it look like? Mm-hmm. But so I did start drafting. A and second. I'm not your husband asking. You know, what's your end game? What's your, your end game? game? What are you doing all this for? What are you doing? Are we going to end up on a, on our own private island? I know, right? <laughs> that would be too boring for me. I like people. I like being with people. Um, but book wise, okay, let's focus. yeah, book wise. So I have dra- I have started drafting an outline for book two, but I. Really, I wasn't joking. I will only publish book two if book one becomes a movie. So, you know, time will tell if that happens. I like that. You have to have goals. Time will tell. And lofty goals. Uh, We'll see. Can you just give us maybe just a little bit of insight into what you might be thinking for the second one? Because I loved the first one. It was fun. Well, remember, the, the first one is based on my life and my life has had interesting twists Ah. and turns so the next phase of my life was uh, the divorce (laughs) Mm -hmm. and uh, I think a lot of people well they say 50% of marriages end up in divorce I think a lot of people will be able to relate to to book two if it happens absolutely we'll all sort of be able to kind of there's also a fun aspect of divorce by the way it's called post-divorcing which is when you get to go out and have a good time oh, and yeah. I had I had all of that <laughs> so, so the, the second book will look a little bit different because it won't be you know sort of focused on starting a family oh no <laughs> it's uh, the next phase <laughs> well everyone has a starter marriage that's what that's what I like to say there's always starter marriages that's the glass uh, half full way to look at it yes <laughs> Well, thank you so much for kind of, you know, talking to me about your book and, you know, telling everyone else who's listening about how you did it and where, you know, where to get inspiration and find out, you know, a little bit more about it. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you interviewing me for my my podcast. My pleasure. (laughs) This is really fun. Well, hope to have you back. Thank you. Thanks.